0: On today's podcast, we have the mastermind behind Paul Craig's descent from light heavyweight to middleweight. A man who Gordon Ramsay asks tips from. That man is Lee Rickards. Lee, how are you doing, mate?
1: I'm not that good with cooking stuff. So, so nah, yeah. yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. How
0: are you? Good, mate. Good, mate. I'm very, very well obviously I wanted to get you on the podcast because you are the man for all things nutrition in regards to sports and it's a it's a field an area where where I feel is kind of, even though I'm misunderstood but a lot of people think if they're eating right then that's that's enough for sports and I think you would agree that that's not really the case, there's, there's definitely eating healthy and that's brilliant but when we're talking about performance it's a whole another ball game completely isn't it
1: yeah Especially, the more research is coming out, it's basically identified the more we don't know. Sure. And it, people just think it just eat healthy when it's not. People can easily underfuel, they can easily overfuel, they can not get enough protein, they can be lacking in vitamins and minerals, so it's going to diminish the performance in various areas. Different sports could potentially have more deficiencies than others, depending on especially say endurance sports with a lot, lot of. And a lot of sweat losses, sure. so it is very individually specific to the person, but also to the spot.
0: Right, yeah. I'm glad you said that because it would be awkward if you said no. You're you're but, wrong, Adam. <laughs> um, but 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 more about you and your background. How did you kind of so did you get into nutrition? How
1: did this all become your kind area of expertise? Um, I've always been interested in nutrition, literally up was a kid or a little fatty. Um, when I were at school and not many people know is when I was younger I did boxing for about six years at Brendan Ingall's gym which is a well known gym over in Three. Sheffield and I was a little fatty getting hit a little post by the likes like Yosemite Mason the Kid Galahad's, Ty and Boo's, even Kel Brook um, and I just weren't losing any anyway. weight, I didn't know how to and there weren't any support there and I reckon if I was back in those shoes, and there was someone like myself, would it be easy to reach out to? I'd have been in a much better place because I'd have basically done what they said, and I'd have been all for it. Yeah. Um. So that's where I always had a strong interest in nutrition, I always fit. So then, when I left school, went to college, Hillsborough College, then I did a sport coaching course, so BTEC National Diploma in Sport Coaching. I think that's where some of Probably of my good points of way I work with athletes is I'd like to call myself a more of a coach, a good and a relatable person. Yeah. I think I can establish good relationships first and then things develop nutrition wise. Did that college, it was more sport coaching, but there was a nutrition health module on there. And then my tutor at the time, Vanessa Ellis, who I still bump into now, she was like, look, I think this would be good for you to go to university to do, I think you've got a strong passion for it I went that way, did sports science where with Mister Danny Wilson, even though we went to school together as well at um, Xfield, so he was a year ahead of me did sports science, always had a strong passion for nutrition and all the modules there, so every module there were really keen and interested I'd soak it all up, whereas all biomechanics and psychology parts all fall asleep I found it Boring. but you've got to do it I'm afraid um, so then went on to a masters and to be fair throughout university I struggled literally right first year I really struggled I almost dropped out basically because there were only a few with the nutrition modules which I liked and the strength and conditioning ones but the rest I didn't like and I couldn't get my head round found it hard but then I just gritted my teeth got through it and then as, God, as you do dissertation in third year and then your masters and you get more specific that's more and I thought I really enjoy this and start Picking up, and that's where I like, right? I want to become a nutritionist. In my second year at university, I got an internship at Shepherd United Football Club that was strength and conditioning. So people don't know that I'm a fully accredited strength conditioning coach and university degree in that as well as nutrition. So I did that my second year at university, and there was no nutrition support whatsoever. And so I was keen on it. They had a sport science there and then, just basically. Doing the diet nutrition bit, ah uh, yeah. So literally, in my second year, I was telling all the professional footballers who just got relegated from Premier League that they weren't yeah. allowed jam on toast. I know it I was causing riots in the canteen. But literally, I think if you asked all university students of oh, into second years, I don't think many of them were working with full time, first team professional players. So I've got a lot of experience for how long I've been doing it. I turned that role into my own, uh, so I did all the nutrition, lead nutritionist, came head of, head of, head of nutrition at Sheffield United for basically 10 years, he mm. to Premier League, and then back down, and then come back up, and then it, a year ago when I fully fledged to go into consultancy, so now I'm with boxing science with Danny, and been doing that for two years since we set the Performance Centre up um, in Sheffield, but I always did a bit of work behind the scenes with him, and then... Now I'm full-time, basically a weight-making nutritionist with Boxing Science and also the Professional Jockeys Association. So yeah. I deal with a lot of people who need to make weight.
0: Yes, you do. Yes, you do. So how does it differ dealing with like, footballers, I suppose, to me uh, athletes in terms of, of, of like, a logistical kind of standpoint, but as well as uh, like, a more personality standpoint? Uh, do you
1: see the big differences there? Yes, across the spectrum of the team, but you'd still have some individuals in that team who would be quite uh really into the nutrition and wanting to push themselves mm-hmm. like most MMA and boxers I deal with. So that were really good. There'd always be some outliers. There's either some outliers in boxing and MMA.
0: Yeah.
1: Who would just have that bothered about nutrition and the thing they can just do what they want and get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um the good thing about football is really good team environment and a bit of good ethos and uh, good re- good relationships to build there. Um, but more of the boxing, because it is an individual sport and it is part of their sport, they must make weight. Mm-hmm. So they are really more fully on board to do that. Whereas in football, compared to the other aspects in football, nutrition, it's still going to be important and play a part But there's so many other variables out of the control of nutrition that you can always get overlooked, and results can mask everything in football. You could give your team the worst pre-match meal in the world, and you can go and win 5-0. And then, at the opposite end of the spectrum, you could have the best pre-match, best lead-up nutrition-wise, and you could get battered 6-0. Yeah,
0: it's Yeah, great opposite. I think we we briefly touched about it uh, when we were doing London together, and how the stakes are so much higher for MMA athletes and boxers and they are for footballers and not to say winning the premiership isn't obviously a huge deal or, or anything like that but it's because it's week in, week out with a, a footballer like if you lose a match you're going to be thinking in your head I'm going to have this takeaway tonight and it's not going to be a big deal or if I win a match you know what I mean whereas for fighters we know they're 10 weeks and like I so said they've got to make weight so there's no there's usually no kind of fucking about that, you know what I mean? So it's very, I find when I've dealt with boxers or every fighters I've dealt with, footballers, a lot of the combat athletes are much more like focused for for the most Discipline. part. Discipline. Um, yeah, much more disciplined. And that's not to knock footballers or anything that, that's just the nature, that's just what it is and that's just what it is essentially. So if you were, on the whole, when you're fueling these guys, what is the difference in terms of fuel and the kind of energy management or these guys? Are you giving them more carbs? Are you giving them less carbs to this person or that person? How does it work? Like a feed a team.
1: There, there is actually some similarities in some ways. So, and low day in football. If it's a, they, um, even just a midweek recovery day, if they've had no game, but someone just of, over a then giving them similar macros to maybe a boxer won't be that far off.
0: Right. No.
1: Same. Leading up to a game where we're trying to hit that probably 10 gram per kilogram of carbs from always from like the Friday into a game, say a Saturday 3 p.m. ain't too far different compared to a boxer from a weigh-in to a fight. Um, The only difference there is probably that the rehydration strategy from a boxer would be be a lot more specific and on point compared to a footballer. But even that, you still do have a hydration strategy for each football player there. So they have some of the similarities. Some the differences will be that probably a higher intensity training day, they, a Tuesday, which is going to be usually the biggest training day a week. Some players will hit 8000 meters uh, distance and about 800 to 1,000 meters high-speed running, and then probably most teams now will go and have lunch and then get in the gym and do a, quite a decent lifting session. So if you think of that. Magnitude of muscle soreness and muscle damage going off there. And you're going to basically need to recover, especially if you really want to push your players. That if not, some of those symptoms of the muscle soreness and fatigue could last over until Friday and potentially 96 hours into it. Right, yeah. Into a Saturday. So it's still really important that you do really nail those fundamentals on nutrition to help them recover. There. Um, so there, there's some similarities and differences in terms of the, the carbohydrate revision, So, say, towards the endast kilogram, the people fail to realise that there is a lot of GI distress in football as, as too well as potentially boxy. Mm-hmm. So some of the carbohydrate options may not be that different either. We're looking at some low fibre high GI carbohydrates. We don't want the athlete to feel really full and bloated as if mm-hmm. they're running about 10,000, 12,000 metres in 90 minutes or they're going to perform in ring or in octagon so, same again. so Some similarities there, from that perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't really think about that. That's very, very interesting. Just you touched on training there. I want you to ask your opinion. That was another athlete question it popped into my head. But I'm a big proponent on athletes, all athletes, being able to do two sessions a day, right? And that's not. I'm not saying they should be doing two red sessions a day. But I feel like if you're a full time athlete, I feel like that is very doable do you think that's doable for professional footballers? Because it might be different down in Sheffield, where you like Sheffield United, where you are, or it might be different in the premiership, but up here in Scotland, they do one session in the morning. And that's pretty much it. So is it feasible for an athlete who's playing week in, week out to be doing two sessions a day? Not every day, obviously, but
1: yeah, I think so. Now yeah. that's where, a lot of people and a lot of teams will try and almost cram two sessions into one. So mm-hmm. if you think of managing a team of individuals, if you're the gaffer or the manager, you're trying to keep that team happy. And just because they're a football team doesn't mean they live in that area. So some will travel. If you've bought a player for a lot of money who's going to win your games, but they live three, four hours away and their family has settled, mm. they're not going to move close, I'm afraid. So you're still wanting that player to be happy. So that's where a lot of teams are almost try to do a gym session straight after a training session, have lunch at 12 and get them up so they can get home at 3 o'clock to see the kids. Now, that right or wrong? If I'll let you be the judge of that, I can see both sides of the game um, from a professional football from that perspective. But if you think you can get a lot more into into your sessions if you do have that break,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: even now, a lot of the top players do actually do sessions on their own. Yeah. Whether it's, with, I'm afraid, a, a other S&C coach or even some now will get TTs, which we know ain't the best, better um, qualified S&C. Some actually getting their own individual nutritionist. I had that under my remit at mm-hmm. Sheffield United. And you know what? I'm not going to stop it. No. As long as you, there's a bit of communication there and you know it's what? They're, they're trying to improve themselves and if that nutritionist is qualified is on SENR registers got the proper qualifications and usually what they're going to be telling them is very similar to me it's right. just more one-to-one so when you're in that remin you've got 30 people to work with every day sometimes people slip through the net so yeah. if people want to do that I'll always for it so just trying to better themselves
0: yeah i, I completely agree with you there just try better themselves and that is uh well i've noticed There's a friction between the clubs and uh, external, maybe, SSC coaches. And, that, and that's understandable. They don't want their players going to someone who is, like you say, underqualified or doesn't know what they're doing. But because of that, I feel like they're leaving a lot on the table or they're le- leaving a lot of, kind of performance gains, I suppose, on the table because, like I say, I think athletes should be training twice per day. But logistically, like you mentioned, it might not always be possible. There's yeah. also the financial aspect of it. I know a club up here in Scotland that a ma- new manager came in and tried to give them two a days, and they're like, "Well, are you paying me double the money? Because technically, they're working, they're working more." So there's the financial aspect as well, and it's just, and there's also a cultural thing. It's not in the culture of football as of yet on the whole to do two a days, where it mo- most definitely is for boxing and, and MMA. But it's just interesting to see the kind of comparisons between the two. Now, let's get on to the to, to the big one. How you got Paul Craig, Big Paul Craig, to become Medium Paul Craig. So, when you got the call from us and uh, we said, we're going down to middleweight. Yes, exactly. The shock. <laughs> Be honest with me. Did you think it was possible?
1: no <laughs> I it. no I didn't uh, not from the day I had and that's where I weren't scared to go and get a second opinion and use people and that's what some people wouldn't do right. now I, I'm all for that the key thing what I did have is I had a great relationship with Paul and yourself which makes yeah. everything so much easier and that's where people really need to have those good relationships with the athlete and also the support staff around them yeah. I think there's the relationship between the strength conditioning coach and the nutritionist in your team is absolutely integral and pivotal. Yeah. You need everyone seeing that for the same fee because to help each other out massively. You, the SSC drive for performance, we help the adaptation to get even a better performance. So the work coming yeah. So when that call came, and I was expecting it after I saw the previous fight, and now I'm afraid in the days, people's getting a lot bigger, much stronger because of the sports science services, the strength conditioning services and the appreciate. So I was half expecting it. Um, and in an ideal world, if there were a, a middle category, I think we'd have all probably gone for that. Yeah. But I needed time to reflect. As you said, it, I didn't jump in and say, yeah, did I? No, I'm no, I'm like, no. I need, need a couple of days to think about this. <laughs> so I looked at data on, on what I already had on Paul, got me maybe in a few bit of research papers, a few books, and then kind of went back to actually, what have we done previously with Paul? What's he like as a person and an athlete? And everyone up to you is an absolute brilliant guy. And told him to put his head through a brick wall. He's putting that head through a brick wall. Yeah. And he's very on point and intricate with the smallest detail. Good. Possible. Like even in this time of previous camps, I've got about six weeks a day to Paul's weight every day, no matter what. I'm just done. Yep. Like, he don't think about it. He knows it. Um, so that I thought I fully got his trust. And then when we had a discussion, I like, we're gonna have to go into some deep waters here. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm gonna one one mistake. Even the paper, one of the best like we we not realize how well it went, right? Like, mm-hmm. We could not believe it, could we? Um, all, all the way through. So, because of that, I was like, yeah, he's willing to, willing to go, go through few deep waters. Then we had to look at research, put the paper, came up with a plan. You went over to uscpi got that second opinion, and they are like, actually, yeah, you could do it. They weren't fully 100%, but like, it is certainly possible there is some in the UFC who do do this, mm-hmm. and are doing it. So that game is a bit of confidence from that. Mm -hmm. Then we got all the other tests, the decks of the Iron Mind, they were all adding up and like, look, we've got pretty good data here. If we get it right, we can do it. Mm -hmm. And then we did the key thing there, which I think helped everyone was the mini-cut we did. Yeah. Now, when we did that, and that gave, I think, Paul the confidence, which was really important. Yep. And then gave us the the Information we needed to kind of work backwards from that, and then we just felt like, right, we need this amount of time. If that's possible. Then yeah, let's go. We were all on the same same page from the start all the way to the very end. Yeah, you're right, man. I think
0: like when we first
1: mentioned it, like I was
0: thinking, I don't think he can make it. I think, or he'll make it, but he'll make it poorly, and it's going to be dangerous. And I was thinking the same as you. I think. I was hoping there'd be a hundred ninety five pound division, but that just doesn't exist. And then we decided, look, if we're going to do this, we we'll do this properly. So we'll go over to the US CPI as well and get their opinion on it, because you've got to run it by them as well. Um, and once I was expecting to go over there for like basically a little holiday, and for us to be told on the first day, no, there's not a chance. And I me and Paul would just enjoy a little holiday in Vegas. But obviously, what happened was we went over there and they said yeah, this is, this is doable. It's going to be tough, but it's doable. So once we got that kind of green light from yourself saying you'd be happy to do it with us, and then we're off to the races one way, Like you mentioned, Paul is the utmost professional. He has everything dialed in and on point. And that's why him being a vegetarian doesn't, and we'll probably touch on this as well, doesn't scare me as much as other fighters being vegetarians or vegans or, or whatever they may be. Because I know where he might lack nutritionally, he'll definitely get his bloods done, he'll pick it up with supplements, and he, he has everything on point and nailed yep. it. Um, and it's a great testament to Paul, he's, he's able to do that. Don't get me wrong, the test cut was tough. Like, it, was, it was a hard test cut, but we were doing it in his bath, in his house, like, without yourself there. You know what I mean? I'm, I was, it was like a test cut going bad, essentially, and he still made weight, he still refueled and he still sparred the next day. So, yeah, I think from that point on, I thought, yeah, we could definitely do this. But even after the test, I didn't think we would do it as well as what we did. Because I think, hindsight, looking back now, it, it was hard. Don't get me wrong, it was hard. But it wasn't that hard. It was, like, I've seen worse. You know what I mean? I've seen worse weight cuts. I mean, it probably was on the cusp of like, we wouldn't want to do any more. But,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, but I wasn't like, I was never like, oh fuck, he's not making weight, oh fuck, this is getting dangerous. Like I was, I never, I never felt like that. <laughs> and that's probably because as well, you were there making sure everything was on point. And this is why people yeah. need to get someone who's a professional in. I'm trying for conditioning cuts. I've done a lot of like weight cuts, but I'm not a weight cut specialist. I shouldn't be doing that. And I certainly couldn't do that with a big weight cut like Paul Hutt. So that's why you need yourself there to do it all professionally, do it all properly and do it safely at the end of
1: the day. It's just that again, getting that right team around you. Yeah. Get everybody off, singing off the same hymn sheet. Uh, you, Almost your coach, he's like, even like with James and Danny up at high level, down was the time I met them when I came down mm-hmm. the week at site. But they were brilliant. But I know you had a good relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So say if there was anything that possibly we needed to say and do. Yeah. And you were kind of line of inquiry and relationship and saying, if possibly they weren't happy with anything or even going into sessions, they were absolutely dreadful. Mm-hmm. Then they could have told you and you'd have told me. And that, that is where those relationships are absolutely pivotal. Yes. Uh, you just get the singing off the same if You can speak to each other who aren't insecure or afraid. It's, I've had a lot of, athlete not saying anything and then the coaches contact me saying he, he's knackered he's, he was dreadfully sparring or vice versa he's absolutely flying then really? um, let's keep him here yeah and, and that's where those relationships and the communication is absolutely pivotal to performance yeah. in my opinion
0: you're 100% right 100% right I don't you might not necessarily need to be in a whatsapp group with the psychologist with the head coach with the farm partners with all these different people but you're like right, having a good relationship, or at least like you say, you going through me to get to James or whatever it may be. Having that connection there is imperative. Otherwise, it just falls apart. I always look at it like pillars of performance, and like one pillar is the nutritionist, one pillar is the, the strength and conditioning coach, the psychologist, the the sparring partner, whatever it may be. But yeah, they need to be working together, and we both know fighters that their coaches maybe a bit insecure and when they're insecure what they tend to do is they try and take control of everything and they try and be the nutritionist they try and be the strength and conditioning coach and you see it from high level people as well I know people in the UFC yeah. who their their head coaches, is their strength and conditioning coach as well yeah. nine times out of ten for me that's not going to work because they're two separate completely separate jobs so yeah. I completely agree with where you are you need that communication the,
1: They um same- Many people use an S&C and then get nutrition advice or a... Um, there's not many who can do both, I'm afraid. It no. takes a lot. No. The only one is a friend of Carl and Evans who's one very brave guy. Yeah. And after off, so I've got both degrees and qualifications. <laughs> other than that, mate, I think we're struggling. No, you're right. Um, I, I've been approached but,
0: many a time by fighters.
1: Yeah. And say, oh, Do you do my nutrition yeah. as well? And I'm like, absolutely not. No, it... and even then same with me with s and C, I've gave that up a long time ago because I just know I couldn't do a fully full job on both every now and again I will still in there <laughs> um, if needed I'm not dead to do that if a one needs to change the room or if Danny's on leave and something short there or another you know, the gym if he's required but literally the two separate box side services for a reason that's why you should get two qualified people in those professions to work with you 100% right
0: now we're looking at the differences between a cut right we talked about Paul's big cut from MMA in boxing what are the differences there do you think there's a benefit to cutting in boxing or is there not at all a... what are your thoughts on that I
1: think it's a lot less yeah. I'm not going to lie um, my gut feeling is I we're seeing the tide to turn a bit in boxing I think now the big weight cuts in the boxing, so those others saying a bigger weight just don't see be performing that much. Now, you do want to be physically and do have a change between, say, the weighing and the fight, but it's a lot, lot less than the MMA, UFC guys. Yeah. And if you think of it from a boxing standpoint, getting the ring for, say, it's a title fight, or title fight 12 three-minute rounds, you've got 10, 12, 8, once clubs are getting repeatedly hit in the head okay. for 12 to 30, well, basically 36 minutes, that risk of that head trauma, people don't realise it's going to be much more the repeated than MMA. Okay. So because of that, from the cut, then, yeah, absolutely, it should be a lot less than MMA. Now, in terms of MMA, you have your way in earlier, so you can rehydrate and You've probably got another eight hours. Yeah. even maybe a bit longer to really rehydrate. But the UFC do an absolute phenomenal job to try and make sure that it's done and done well. Mm-hmm. So fair, fair, play to, fair play to them. Boxing's got a lot to learn from that. Mm-hmm. So, yes, in my opinion, there is two 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 differences. In boxing, you want to cut a bit, but not too much. In MMA, you, you can't cut a lot more. Same again, I still think there's a, a line to not yeah. cross. Yeah. from that standpoint and um, but that can be different on each individual but yeah the, the sh- please don't get any MMA weight cutting info and apply it to professional boxing No,
0: no, I think like you say, so from a safety perspective from the repeat head trauma because a lot of people think, oh the smaller gloves that means that there's going to be more trauma brought with MMA but what they don't realize is the repeated small blows to the head that are causing a lot of the damage. And plus, if you're getting punched in the face in boxing, you've got nowhere to go. Like, if you're getting punched in the face in the MMA, then you could put it against a cage. You can, yeah, take someone down. And that was a beautiful rear naked choke by uh, by there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so you've got different options. There. So, yeah, completely agree with you. And you mentioned about the, the UFC and the kind of systems they have in place. And that's what I was actually mentioning to Paul before you came down. I was like, I'm excited to see what Lee thinks about this because I knew you would be impressed by this because it's such a great setup that UFC used. And it's just, it's almost frustrating when you go from the UFC to the boxing events and you see nothing like it. There's like, why do you think that is? And how do you think someone like Matchroom can kind of emulate that and implement it?
1: I think there's probably more governing bodies in boxing than there is in USC. Really? So you've got a lot more people for it to go through really? than the USC itself. So I think that is one of the main reasons. Now, that's to say it can't happen. A, a show could easily do it. But same again, it's going to be the cost, the operations and the logistics of it. Like I said to you, When I speak to it, I was very impressed with with the UFC setup. But from my nutritionist head of working in an operation logistics role at, say, Sheffield United, so I'd go to hotels sometimes before the team and set out food up with chef. And so at the back, it's quite difficult. So there's things that go on there. So you're usually having to contact the hotels a month in advance, send the menu, send it a week, see what they've got, see if they've struggled, then maybe go out and get some stuff. Whereas, for the USC to do that every week, and you having just got a team of people sharing the same goal, but different weights will we need different rehydration, the amount of loss, different kind of the amount of fuel. Honestly, oh, I was very, very impressed and them who do it. Fair play to it. It's not an easy job. No, no, it must
0: be quite stressful and, and quite tough. But yeah, it's a great system they they have got like that. Um, they've cracked it. They have, they have, and they are—they're good on social media as well, promoting how they do it, stuff like that. I'd suggest anyone to give them a follow. And the UFCPI as well are very good on social media, showing you how they kind of work it. With the with that and the social media chat, what? How do you think that's affected sports nutrition on the whole? Has it been a positive? Because you do see see it some absolute nonsense. Out there. yeah,
1: yeah. I think it works both ways. Yeah think now nutrition is kind of a lot more sexier than it ever has been and almost that's in a that's in a good way of promoting it but on the flip side there's a lot of people on there who have their personal biases of their own experiences try and push their own agendas to others Mm -hmm. who possibly aren't qualified so I always try and use the term would would you let if you're going on holiday? Would you let the person, the pilot with plane, would you let them drive it just based on the yeah. amount of followers they've got on Twitter or Instagram? Yeah, probably, probably not. We're yeah. wanting to look at some documentation and qualification. Um, so it's the good and the bad. Same again. I'd say the bad one is there's an easy firing line for people, so that can get. A lot of the trolls and bad press of it, depending Mm -hmm. on maybe how they look out of camp. Yeah. So, for example, we all know like of the body gets a lot of bad press
0: out of
1: camp. Sometimes the looks stuff, whether it's bothered or not, I don't know. Um, but so that could be bad because yes, everybody does go up to their normal homeostasis and where the body's at before. Mm -hmm. People who are on weight or in camp don't always look like that. It's not necessarily that safe and healthy to look like that all the time and same again this is where a lot of female athletes try and uh, mold themselves to male athletes so yeah. think they can do the weights it's about to do they need to look time is sick to pack to perform and be ripped and that's not the same again social media is the same again in my opinions part to blame mm-hmm. so it's almost like the good the bad and the ugly
0: yeah, I think you're right. It's the, it's the same for strength conditioners, I suppose. It's the same for anything, just now. It's, there's a lot of information out there, which is superb, and there's a lot of min- misinformation out there, unfortunately. And it's trying, it's a bit of a minefield to figure out if you're an athlete, it's a bit of a yeah, figure out what's right and what's, what's wrong.
1: It's easy to take something out of context.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So, what something might in one bit might not apply in another, it's like, I don't if the, if you're doing some heavy half squats with some athletes when you're just trying to overload that stimulus and that max strength right. phase, then uh, someone might have a look at that and think, No, I'm not doing full squats. What? What's what's he doing? Yeah. And there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of that on Twitter and Instagram. Same yeah. again. I rarely comment on people it- or anything like that. I just think you don't know the context. So that's it. There's it, there's, always, there's always can be a reason for everything and. There's many ways to get to the same destination.
0: Agreed, my man. Agreed. Now, we're getting on to the juicy stuff, okay? Fan questions. Right? Prepare prepare yourself for this. Biggest tips or best tips, three best tips for combat athletes, or athletes in general. I'm going to change that. So three best tips for athletes in general.
1: Quick fire tips. Get qualified people behind you, number one. Tip
0: one. Number two. Oh you on the spot, yeah.
1: Yeah, have before I did say it, I want I wanted to surprise me with some some questions. Number two, get some quick wins. There's a lot of quick wins you could do like hydration. Are you hydrated every day? Right, right. Like are you track are you tracking your sweat loss? Yep. Are you hitting a deal of protein intake? Are you having camp hydrates and hard training sessions. It doesn't have to be complicated. Just try and master some of the basics.
0: Okay, you've got one more go. You've got one more to go. You need three tips of that. But I, li- I like your... one our... I like qualified people,
1: master yeah. master the basics.
0: I like your protein before bed one. I think that's a nice little simple tip. Up. Yeah, it's or well, just no, I think.
1: Yeah. Total protein intake is more important than that. It's just a a, a good way to get to try and improve recovery. Um, sleep.
0: Sleep. Always coming back to sleep. None of that.
1: People usually sacrifice sleep, so they'll try and do two free training sessions, or mm-hmm. and then they actually are showing themselves in the foot. Yep. It's been no sleep plays Pretty part in appetite regulation, in concentration, in recovery, in Basically, muscle glycogen synthesis, muscle protein mm-hmm. synthesis, and anabolism. So, people always think that sometimes the hardest worker getting up at four or five a.m. for runs or
0: mm-hmm.
1: SNC. Don't get me out. Sometimes there's a place for it to be limited, but yep. yeah, don't don't lack the
0: fundamentals. Yeah, like with that sleep comment, there. I, I know a guy on Instagram who's always posting like four thirty. Runs like just do the run. I've always thinking in the back of my head, do you really need to do it at 4.30 in the morning? Like, have you went to bed at 7, 8, 7 pm? Like, yeah, that's the tape and that's fine, but get your sleep in, guys. us and get up, yeah, get your blooming sleep in, right? Biggest buzz be- from a fight. So when they won and you were just absolutely buzzing, What with it.
1: Paul takes on beating, you know, I think that's right up there because. Just how we were all on the same page yeah. and all like the same goal, and that like on paper, it scared feel people, including myself, while we're going to do it. Um, so that's one of the biggest mm-hmm. buzzers right up there in terms of, um, in terms of like combat sports. Um, I enjoyed when Terry Harper won. Uh, what you want to world title white moving up those weights? Then we have people almost thinking moving up those weights. What are you doing when on paper is what we advise because that's what the science said from all the assessments. So yeah. and I was she she deserved it for for what she went through. So re, really happy there. Then I'm happy for most kind of what makes me quite happy is working with a, the younger athletes who just starting off. So everyone always loves the world titles and the big stages, yeah. big events, but. If you've got some young athlete who are working with you and they're just starting off I think that is a really good sense of like gratification I get is actually when they've come from maybe nothing, no knowledge or education, starting from scratch and you're just building up those habits for that that long term um, benefit so I enjoy that same, I've had a lot in football so I managed to have like two pre-promotions in, in football, they were Absolutely fantastic because um, it's like a reward of a long, long season and a lot of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. So I've been quite fortunate to have a lot of successes, but also downfalls. Oh, of course. Life and roller coaster just got right it it.
0: Certainly has, As a problem, with all those highs, calling the occasional low, and hopefully
1: yes, there will. And same again, many lows along yeah, that along that way. The game
0: is just. Well, it is. Just to have more highs and lows at the end of the day, I guess that's the game. So, yeah. But um, just going back to the Paul Craig when that was, we were buzzing for that one. We were going absolutely ballistic asking the boys. That, that was that was a good one. Yeah, yeah that was. I wouldn't. Yeah, I thought maybe he'd lost at one point. I remember thinking he got caught in a triangle from when I was setting up
1: <laughs> You went to it down into silver. And I went over. No, he's a...
0: him done. And then boom, he comes back. Anyway, absolutely brilliant. How do you stop a rebound after a fight? So, rebounding back your weight. Now, you had a fancy word for it. What was your fancy word for it? you said, it, What was it called, the guy?
1: What a brilliant question. you question, it. Eh? They call it rebound hyperphagia. There you go. So, it's almost what try and make it simple is as we create fat cells or antipocytes, they never go, they just shrink. Mm-hmm. And then it's easy to gain fat because your fat cells are already there to expand again. And then once you go over a certain threshold, then you. Have new fat cells, so when you're going back down they never go away, right, okay. they just shrink again, so that is kind of the, the term of it happening now whether this happens physiologically or behavioural or psychologically there's still a lot of information out there to research what we don't know, what we do know is it is happening All right. so it is something we need to be mindful of, now is it just going to happen after one camp then you balloon up like, are you going to get a damaged metabolism from heavy dieting for 6, 10, 12 weeks? Personally, I don't think so. I think our bodies are quite robust. Right. From, from that aspect. I think it is the um the repeatability of it, doing it for a long time, all the long years. And also, I think the athlete also has to have some acceptance. We know now cold, term, um, much cold Adaptive thermogenesis. So what happens is when you are really big. So say if you're 80 kilograms and you diet down to 72 kilograms. Yeah. To get there, you to 72 kilograms. You may not have the metabolism of someone who just walks around at 72 kilograms. Right. Okay. Because our body is clever and it becomes more efficient. Then, same again, possibly when it goes up again, maybe that eight. 80 kilograms. You may not have the metabolism of someone who just sits around at 80 kilograms. Mm-hmm. And I try and tell people it's almost like when you're trying to gain weight. When you're trying to gain weight properly, turns muscle. It's much harder than losing body fat. People don't realize that because if you think your body gets really hot, lack appetite, mm-hmm. you get you the sweat. You just almost feel you are just always eating and you're getting sick of food. So your your body is very adaptive right. from a the thermogenesis point of view. And that's just what happens. Your body becomes more efficient. So, what you've got to almost realize and accept is yes, I might have to eat a lot less than a normal person would. For me, I'm going to have to watch the, the amount I eat, even in the off season. Yeah. Oh, I can't, yeah. I can't go and fight and then straight after go for a two week all inclusive holiday to Mexico, sit on a sunbed, do nothing. I'm going to probably have to do a bit, bit of exercise. Just to just to take that into account, I'm always gonna always probably be, have to be on the move and, and think think about managing my weight long term. Was that uh... in a combat spot?
0: Sorry, was that of going... Paul Craigs, That's where he is just now. There we go.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> he is doing <laughs> the We both know.
0: Nah, he'll be fine. A... He,
1: he likes. Yeah, he likes it, and he's not. He's not stupid. Um, so. Um, so yeah, getting that acceptance and realizing, and yeah, it, it could be you're not gonna have much time off. Mm. Say so not not much time off, but almost kind of you are always gonna have to be focused on that weight. But I'm afraid you're a weight making athlete. Yeah. So it's part of the process, and you might have ten, twenty years in that career, mm. but focus on it fully. And it, it, once you come to acceptance and you know now I'm not I don't want to scare people I'm thinking I'm just giving people chicken salads all the time and just absolutely starving people but sometimes you just got to be a bit robust and, and get on with it
0: yeah I get 100% right and like you say it's part of the sport. it's like being a boxer getting punched in the face that's just what you've got to yeah. do
1: yeah you uh,
0: know when, Wait. if you were to have a fight alright this is a question from our, our good friend Reese. Uh, step. you had a fight Daddy's gone. He's, he's moved away to Australia or wherever he went. He goes to just <laughs> you've got a choice between elite sip or enhanced sports performers to train you. Who are you picking and why? <laughs> 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 uh, location isn't the thing. I'm you can bring location you. into this. Don't, don't, don't cheat.
1: I'm going for the Scott guy. Yeah. I'm going for an. Another- for so, and the reason why I'm going for that Reese is I think he's got a lot more moves to help me grapple someone <laughs> and straggle other as well, as well as box the head off and even kick and so with that I think I'd, I'd be in a much better place. Yeah. I'd... But speaking of Reese, yourself and Danny, that is where I've got really fortunate to with three good S and C coaches okay. who I have good relationships with this is the same with with Danny as well. Where We're not thinking it's just me and Danny, or Danny, me and no one else. If Danny's not a fighter and they've got their own nutritionist and they're good, I'll tell him, speak with him. Same, Danny's not that. concerned, am likely that I like with it's a coaches as long as someone's got good qualifications, they're a good person, then I'm all for working for him. I'll, I'll try and develop relationships with anybody.
0: Yeah, I'm saying that it is good that me, yourself... Reese, Danny, we're all we've all we're all got good relationships. We all chat away to John. I think for yeah. the benefit of strength and conditioning. It's for the benefit of our athletes. So I guess it's a, it's a really really good set. Um, is there any athletes you would train from maybe a safety perspective or anything like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Don't get we're only not on paper. I think it's possible. Um. Maybe I've got a good relationship with them and they're needing help. Yeah, of course i to help. Yeah. But there's some who say they're just going to do a crazy weight God the miles out, and I'm thinking, look, I'm almost certainly not going to make it. I've done it a couple of times before. I'm thinking, yeah, enough time. It's just going to be brutal. Just don't do it. It's going to be unsafe. Third, I think a lot of female sweet Now I do do some online programming uh, with a lot, and I. Won't work with a female athlete now unless I get some baseline tip. Right. Okay. Now, so that's, uh, if they can go and get a are so brilliant. I'll get some some skin folds at least, mm-hmm. um, or even as well as get maybe biological impedance. Potentially get some blood done. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important because, I and mean, it's not it's not female athletes' fault. It's because of the lack of research there between males and females. It, females want to do similar things to males, and it's just a cascade of crap which is about to unfold and happen. Yeah. And it might not necessarily be the actual cut you do or to get more away, it could be the aftermath. So, yeah, there is, there's some quite a few athletes I have turned away. Yeah,
0: yeah that's a good thing. Right, this is a from, I'm sure you can guess who this question is from, favourite athlete you've worked with? I mean,
1: unfortunately I've worked with a lot you need Boston by any chance. no it. it's not and, um, do you know what I'm lucky to literally work with some very good athletes they might not be good at nutrition I'll follow it but I've been very fortunate me out by me on jumping I've worked with England football players yeah. I've worked with international players in in football um combat sports athletes world champions and stuff Honestly, I'm very fortunate to work with a lot of athletes who are good people. So, honestly, I can't pick one.
0: Shocking, shockingly. And I
1: I, I can I'm sorry. During the personal, sense that in, but literally, I'm very fortunate. I do work with some very good athletes. Maybe not very good at nutrition. And that's where I come in. But good athletes. There's. Yeah. well. Good people.
0: Well, we thank you very much for coming on the Heart enhanced performance podcast. It was being insightful as ever. Great speaking to you, mate. And yeah, it's been a great help having you part Paul Craig T. <laughs> and I hope a lot of more of my athletes, fighters, and everybody goes to you for their nutrition advice. Make sure you follow Lee at Box the Science Nutrition on Instagram and all the other socials. And Lee, thank you very much, my man. Peace out. Stop.